Welcome back in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast, and this is our final non-game week episode for some time. Um, we are going to roll into the game week vibes next week. We're going to bring out a new format. We're putting that together for you. We look forward to showcasing that. But for this episode, we're going to go back to something that we unveiled last summer, had some fun with it during a rough off season, and that was our 11-man draft. We're talking Ironman football. You got 11 guys. They got to play both ways. You got to find a way to get to 60 minutes and get that win using each of them every snap. And last year, well, Sean, we'll talk about last year in a second. This year's a new year, uh, but good luck. This is a difficult thing to forecast. You got to apply some rules to it, as we'll talk about, but this is really going to be uh, a lot of projections uh, uh, based on pure athleticism. We love projections here, and it, it's fantasy draft season, so we can get into the mood. This is kind of our our, our wrap-up off-season off episode because we get into game week next week. It's so close. You can taste it, but we haven't had any access this week in terms of practice, coaches, players, anything like that. So a fun way to end it, and also a fun way to learn about what this roster is made of. And, the, you know, it kind of is is this little – it's not really a throwaway episode, but it's kind of a different style. We got a ton of feedback from it, good feedback from it, uh, a ton of responses talking about our teams and stuff, but you also get an, a, a better idea of what kind of flexibility you have on the roster, what kind of depth you have on the roster, and and really which parts stand out and which which are glaring weaknesses. And I think we've kind of worked through that all off season talking about what where what's good, what's bad. Um, but it, it gives you a better sense of where things stand. It's also, uh, you know, after we did this last year, somebody in the program reached out and said that was terrific. And they actually made it an exercise inside Lash with their um, with the recruiting team and the, the personnel people in terms of doing the exact same thing. So um, we got people listening. We got people taking these ideas and stealing them. That's OK. We steal a lot of their stuff as well. Um, but here is uh, th- this is one of the fun things that we like to do. And just so you know, there is value in it. This isn't just some stupid throwaway little thing. I'd love to see what their board looked like last year because I took a look at ours before we sat down and recorded. I sent it to you for reference. And, and the first thing you text me back was yikes. And, and, and that's on point. Um, I, I look through this and first off, yikes, because of how things went from a personnel standpoint for Penn State. We had Micah Parsons off the board at pick number one, Pat Fryermuth off the board at pick number two, Journey Brown off the board at pick number six. None of those players were on the field for a Penn State win last year. So kind of tells you how the rest of 2021 went after that July draft. And then in terms of building our teams, round four, Sean, not the banner round. You took C.J. Thorpe, offensive guard. I took Devin Ford, running back. Uh, Got to go a while to find Jahan Dotson, number 14. I could I could list more things, but, you know, just understand there is no exact science involved in this selection. Why, why would you list more things? We sound bad <laughs> enough already. And uh, we had some good picks in there, too. Um, but, you know, that's the good picks aren't everything that people remember, as, of course, we live on on the Internet. So that's not really the, the best place to be for that. Uh, but now some some good picks, some good football players. You, you mentioned earlier about athleticism and raw athleticism. We remember these guys when we covered them in high school, what kind of players they were on both sides of the ball, um, different positions that they even came in beforehand. I was looking all over the place. I'm sure quarterback is going to be something that comes up during this draft, but you're looking all over the place. And you're thinking, hmm, Tyler Warren's out there. Maybe he could do something on defense, but you don't really have a ton of those those options. So 
it's fun to see that sort of thing. Uh, it's fun to uh, sort of project where we think these guys could could be great on the other side of the ball. We know some of these guys were recruited on the other side of the ball, um, but it's it's fun. You see, there's a bunch of wide receiver D back types. Not as many guys up front. You know, we, there's draft strategy and things like that. And I'm I'm giving away too much because we haven't really talked about that. Um, but it's 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 just fun. And and as I said, it gives you an idea of what you your roster is made up of. Um, you know, it didn't go very well last year on the field, didn't go very well in this draft at parts, but I think that there's, uh, you know, it's definitely a, a, a welcome microscope as to what's going on from top to bottom. And there's versatility here. We're, we're not kind of restricting ourselves to fill a certain amount of positions, but you do need five offensive linemen. You need four down defensive linemen. Sean, uh, we've established already you're probably going to have some flexibility here. If you run, want, want to run with two tight ends, if you want to go with three wide receivers, if you want to find a role for a guy like Devin Ford, that's how we thought last year. We would both kind of viewed him as a flex possibility. Um, so there's a lot on the table here. And I think the only other thing that, that we're going by is once again, the guy's got to play both ways. Like literally, whether he's a quarterback or, or a defensive tackle, he's got to have a role on both sides of the field within your team. And later on, after we do this draft, we'll tell you exactly what our plans are with our personnel. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always the fun part is figuring out the, uh, the five offensive linemen and then turning that into a four, three defense is, is just mm-hmm. a, a recipe for, for success for everyone. Well, Sean, we already flipped the coin. You trust me over here. You didn't even see it. You won the flip and you have the first pick just like last year. You took Micah Parsons, number one. That was a no doubt about it. Slam dunk pick. I think I know where you're heading. You haven't told me yet. Um, do you have a decision on the first pick here? I've got one because I've got three guys on that board um, that just kind of jump out to me in that entire thing. But I, I think I'm going to go with Penn State's best player, um, which, you know, is still very up in the air in terms of you, you have a few different interpretations of that. Um, but Jahan Dotson was so good last year. He was, uh, you know, just running by people, which is not really the, the guy that we expected. He was, he was unquestionably Penn State's number one. I think you can put him at cornerback too if you wanted to. He's such a fluid athlete. He, he posted that 4-3-3 in the offseason, which turned everybody's head um, in and outside of the building. Um, so I, I think that's a safe one right there. I think he's going to have a really productive year in Mike Yersich's offense. Um, as we've mentioned before, they're, they're, they're going to be gunning for him this year. So that's, you know, that might be something to think about. But in terms of just, um, elite players on this roster, John Dotson gets the nod from me. And, and it wasn't an easy choice. And, and that's, uh, like I said, last year, Micah Parsons was a no brainer. This one went up in the air, but I feel three good about three of these guys. And hopefully, hopefully you don't take any of them. I think I'm going to, and I would have taken Jahan Dotson had the, the coin flip the other way. Um, everything you said is exactly why. Um, I'm going with Jaquan Brisker here with my number one pick. Um, I feel, feel good about Dotson and Brisker being guys who can really rely on as dependable playmakers on both sides of the ball in this format, which I think is important with your number one pick. But beyond that, Brisker can. Be, be a guy who potentially shuts down his section of the field as a safety or cornerback. Expectations are sky high. We saw on Monday preseason all American team by the AP, a second team safety. Uh, that is pretty, pretty lauded introduction to year number two as a starter here for the Nittany Lions. And everything you hear from coaches to teammates uh, is that he came back, you know, made that decision to stick around campus, which surprised a lot of people. And it's been a motivated individual. 
Could he be that difference maker? Are there game records in the front seven this year on defense? That's a question, but he can be that kind of a player, I think, on the back end. And I think with the ball in his hands, maybe he gets a chance to do that as a kick returner this year. On my team, he'll get the ball a lot as a wide receiver. He was a great wide receiver in high school, too. Uh, we just remember that camp that that he came up to and pretty much dominated. He just didn't have any of the grades. Academics were always, uh, you know, something that that hindered his recruitment. So I'm not not surprised that he could play. Or I wouldn't be surprised if he could play wide receiver at this level as well. So I, I like that. That's a good pick. That was one of my other guys. Um, so we'll flip and it around. Yeah, before I didn't want you to give your pick before uh, before we explain round two now. Yeah, switches and, and I'll pick first and Sean will pick second and then it'll. So now it's back to back picks from here on out and man, I wrestle with this one and maybe I'll regret not addressing the, the front of my team uh, earlier but I'm going to go with Parker Washington here I, I feel like the duo of Washington and Brisker with Dotson off the board maybe about as good as all fine for, for guys that I think can do damage on both sides of the ball I mean Parker Washington look at the way this kid is built I'm going to put him right next to Jaquan Brisker at safety, let him do some damage with that physicality. Curious to see what that would look like, uh, but we're not going to see because he's a really special wide receiver talent. Um, and if I had taken Dotson first, I may have taken Parker Washington second just because I think there is some serious depth concern right now, receiver. So with those two top two guys off the board, we may not see a guy who's going to play receiver for Penn State this season selected in this draft for some time. Yeah, he's he was up there on my list as well. Not not that high, but would have been one of my next picks had I continued with that. That's why I like Parker. Uh, you guys know I love Parker Washington as a player. Um, I I do think he could play in the secondary as well, but you don't want him to because he's a really really freaking good wide receiver. Um, so that's a that's a good pick right there. I will address up front on mine and take Rasheed Walker, who was my third guy. Um, I think Walker, probably the highest draft pick. If you're looking at next spring, probably the highest draft pick on this roster right now. You know, Brisker's in there, Dotson's in there. Um, but Walker, just prototype left tackle. Uh, don't know how he would be as a defensive lineman, but I think he's he's got the potential to be as good as any left tackle that that, that has come through here, especially under James Franklin. So uh really, really like what Rasheed Walker brings to the table. I think he's a cornerstone that you can build around at one tackle. And at the other tackle, I'm going to give you my fourth pick, Caden Wallace. I, I think this is another guy um, that you could put on the offensive line pretty much anywhere. Going to play right tackle for Penn State, but I think those are two NFL guys right there. And Wallace played some some defensive tackle in high school, so he's got some some versatility. And it helps that we're we're listing these guys as defensive linemen, so you don't necessarily have to have two tackles, two ends. That's pretty much impossible and not fair to the offensive line. So I got a couple of bookends in my my second and third picks. I feel pretty good about it. Um, but I think those guys are both uh, you know really good prospects moving forward, not just at this level, but potentially at the next level. I think Walker's a tackle in the NFL. Uh, Wallace probably a guard, but regardless, if you've got NFL talent, they're going to go high in this draft. I mean, that's a, that's a nice one, two punch you just pulled off there in the defensive front. I, I certainly am curious to see how your defensive line plays out, but either of those two guys top of the board, regardless of which side of the trenches they're playing on. And, and that and gets from South Jersey. Hurry. So I, and one's from South Jersey. Yeah, so I took, it, you, took it from your wheelhouse. <laughs> Well, Walker was, was the other I wrestled with before I went Parker Washington. And, and you know, Kid and Wallace was not going to last long with, with my target board. So I'll move on and, and I'm, I've got the back to back here. Um, and 
you spooked me a little bit with the lineman, so I got to go. PJ Mustafer. He's gonna he's gonna handle the things uh, you know in, internally. He's gonna be that anchor on both sides of the ball. Uh, Big brother was a, a team captain and an offensive lineman for multiple years as a starter at Notre Dame. I think PJ Mustafer could get it done at guard, at center, wherever I need him there. And I know he's gonna hold his end at, at 320 pounds now at defensive tackle. So I think he is one of those players we've been circling. If he can take a leap here and you're number four, that could mean the world to this defense and particularly on the defensive front where there's some inexperience. And then someone who made a leap before our eyes last year, and it sounds like he's continued to do it this spring, this summer, and as the season approaches, Kevon Lee, uh, you know, it, it's kind of, it, it may be early to take a running back because there is so much depth at running back, but uh, just consider me tantalized enough by what we're hearing, by the talent here, um, that I'm going to invest this pick in Kevon Lee. I, and the other thing here, aside from the fact that he's running that 4-5, he says just a tick lower than 4-5, 40-yard dash now at about 240 pounds, a full offseason of work. He's shaking off the rust from missing his senior year of high school. But I go back to this, his value in this draft in particular, Sean, multiple SEC programs recruited Kevon Lee as a linebacker, high level SEC contenders here. That tells me uh, I can feel comfortable about plugging him in at a linebacker because I think that's a particularly tricky spot to fill, an area to fill in this draft scenario. So Kevon Lee is going to be a running back and, and he's probably going to be uh, right at the center of my defense. I, I honestly thought I could sneak one by you with Kevon Lee. I'm surprised you remember. No, the, sir. I think it was Florida State that was really heavily on him as a linebacker, among some other. He talked about that SEC. on our podcast. That was, I mean, he, it was something that he, you know, he was like, I, I had no interest. I wanted to hold the ball, but yeah, I, I, you know, and so when people are knocking on your door to be a linebacker at that level, I mean, yeah, that, that's going to catch your attention a bit in the conversation. Yeah, just look at just look at him, and you can see, okay, I I, I can see this guy being a linebacker, uh, no problem whatsoever. Linebacker is a tough one in this draft because there's so uh, there, there's so many guys that could stick out, and you know, you, they would be out of place as linebackers, but also you know, be great at tight end or you know something like that. So it's just it's a really interesting juxtaposition when you take the relative strength of the wide receiver DB group, and then try and find linebackers out of receivers, tight ends, running backs, what have you. So what do you have? Those are my two. Mustafer, I'm I'm up to four picks at this point, and you're working your way with another back-to-back here as we are into round five. I'm going to destroy you at the line of scrimmage here. and uh, I'm worried about Ju- that. <laughs> I'm going to go with Juice Scruggs. Uh, one of, you know, this is the thing that we keep going back to, one of the best two-way offensive defensive linemen to come out of, St- of Pennsylvania in a long, long time. Um, really excited to see him play both on a, you know, on, on a professional and personal level for what he's gone through with, with that car accident. But putting that stuff aside and that, you know, this is the thing that we've talked to players about in the past. When you talk about overarching storylines on their career, you know, John Urschel being an academic and everything like that, you forget that these guys, pretty good football players and Scruggs was in line to be, um, on that offensive line as a redshirt freshman, had the car accident, had to step back and, and, went through some amazing stuff to get back where he needed to be. Um, you went into this offseason. You knew you had three starters back in the offensive line with Walker, Wallace, and Mike Miranda moving over to center. But, you know, their two guard, two guard spots were up for grabs, and it seems like he's just grabbed that one and run. You ask anybody what they feel good about on the offensive line, they feel, feel good about four guys, well, three starters coming back, the fourth guy being Drew Scruggs. That's a pretty good position to be in. I'm excited to see him out there. I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table as a guy that can, um, you know, really 
play like a veteran, even if he doesn't have the most experience. Now, I am curious to see what he looks like on a full-time level. This is a guy that looked really good in spurts last season, but when he's going to have to be out there, have the conditioning and have the consistency and the communication with the starting offensive line, we'll see how how that goes, especially with Wisconsin and Auburn, two of the first three weeks. So I'm very excited to see Juice Scruggs um, play. I think this is a strategy play to, 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 to load up my offensive line uh, and defensive line as well. Um, but I just really can't say enough about how much he's overcome to get where he needs to be because this is a really talented kid. He was creeping up on my draft board. There's no doubt about that. Um, that's, a, that's a nice pick. And and yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm getting some gut punches here up front, but it's a long draft and, and you've got other positions to fill um, and you've got another pick here. I got another pick here. Last year after we did this draft, I got a note from somebody who said nobody took Brenton Strange. And I'm thinking, okay, he's a backup tight end, whatever. Um, he's a guy that probably won't see a ton of this year, especially with Pat Fryermuth out there. So I was like, okay, why? This kid, this kid could play anywhere. This kid could play tight end. Um, you could split him out and play some sort of form of receiver. And I think they'll do that this year with Strange and Theo Johnson, who I've just kind of handed to you on a silver platter. And you're welcome for that. Um, but I can also put him at linebacker. So tight end linebacker, Brenton Strange has a good ring to it. This kid can run really well, play really well, block really well, kind of does it all. And, you know, he was a really good high school player on both sides of the football, played down in West Virginia. So maybe not the biggest uh, draw there in terms of accolades and things like that. But I love Brenton Strange. I love that tight end room. There's so much you could do in a draft like this out of that tight end room. But I'm going to go with Brenton Strange. Am I that predictable? Yeah, yes, Theo Johnson. So. Let's let's just double dip in the tight end room because uh, we, we we have both said plenty about this room and uh, what it can still do in the years to come without Pat Fryermuth being around. You know, I just think about the conversation that offseason in between Mike Asiki leaving for the NFL and Pat Fryermuth emerging as the guy that September, and it was all over the place about what was going to happen at tight end. Now there's just no doubt about it. Um, and Theo Johnson tweeted something. I think it was Monday evening, Sean. I'm not sure if you saw a picture of him, Tyler Warren. Uh, and Brenton Strange saying this photo is going to be legendary someday. Um, Jer- Jerry Cross is probably going to want to crash that picture next year, but it, there's a lot of potential well. there. Yeah. Uh, Khalil yeah. Dinkins, I'm sorry, I should not <laughs> rule him out of the conversation by any means. Um, but, but when I look at Theo Johnson, I mean, there's just so much that stands out. He, he hasn't done it to the point as a receiver like Brenton Strange uh, at this level, but uh, the development is just scary if you're a defensive, defensive coach, six, uh, six foot, uh, five, six foot six, 255 pounds running a four, five, one. He's faster than, than Mike Asiki was at, at that time during his career at Penn State. Um, so I, yeah, I'm going to put the ball in his hands a lot. And I'm also going to see how my personnel shapes up because I could see him being a hand in the dirt guy. But with his speed, I'm not going to rule out him maybe having to play up for me uh, at linebacker. So I, I think he can be a, a, an interesting component on defense with that kind of a physical skill set and mentality. I think he can handle it. But I know I'm getting a potential uh, elite caliber tight end who, who has a launch pad year ahead of him. Uh, and I got I have to address it with the defensive line, offensive line now. I'm going to go back on the defensive side of the field. Derek Tangelo. 40 plus games played at the power five level. Um, a guy that now I can pair with PJ Mustafer at defensive tackle inside. Is that what Penn State's going to do when they roll out their first team in a few weeks? Uh, Maybe. Um, but I know that he can also play guard for me. That's where he's going to be. So I'm not, I'm not dealing with the offensive lineman. I'm going the defensive side here and, and we'll see how it ends up, you know, coming together for us on both sides of the trenches. We did, we did a report on Johnson early in his career and I, and I'm hesitant to throw the freak label on people. Um, but I was told 
by someone in the program very early that he carried freak status. And that was very interesting because if you remember when he got his offer, it was the same day that he camped with Brenton Strange. And both of those guys put up good numbers, um, but nothing close to a four or five or whatever he ran in the, in the off season. So I think that that's really, um, it, it, it's been remarkable to watch that those pictures came out the other day and Brandon Smith looks like a freaking monster. And Theo Johnson looks even bigger than Brandon Smith, which yeah, obviously is six, six or whatever. Um, but it was just funny to see the makeup of some of these guys, especially some of these guys. Theo Johnson's just finished his freshman year as, as a true sophomore. So just to see the makeup of some of these guys, uh, I know Mark Brennan said it when he was talking about photo days and things like that. These guys are, are built a little bit different, a little bit bigger. Dwight Galt's doing, doing quite a job there. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, so those are my two picks. You're back up and this is the start of round seven. So starting to fill out the second half of our lineups here. Yeah. And you could go a lot of directions in this could continue working on the offensive and defensive lines. As I said, the wide receiver D backs are, are, are deep. Um, but we just talked about what you would do with a guy or, or how you could fill out linebacker here. And I'm going to go back to one of my recruiting man crushes here, Curtis Jacobs. There it is. I know he's, he, he's a guy that is so versatile. He was a safety in high school, wide, really good wide receiver in high school. The guy that I'll say it any, anytime he stepped on the field was the best player in the field. Love to see a leap from him this year. Uh, as he gets more experience, as he gets a little bigger, um, would love to see him out there paired off with Brandon Smith. They go to a, to a nickel package, a two linebacker set or something like that. Cause it just gives you so much length, athleticism, ball skills now with Curtis Jacobs on the field. Um, so a little bit of a projection pick because we haven't seen a, a ton of him so far. But in terms of what he brings to the table as a football player, as an athlete, just love Curtis Jacobs. Now, you know, recruits are off the table. Deny Dennis Sutton cannot be drafted by you. <laughs> I appreciate just want to clarify. It, it's funny. It's me. It, it's usually me going the other direction with the thing. I, got, I already got a Jason away shot in there for you. But uh, no, it's That's uh, before we recorded. So let everyone know there's <sighs> definitely an away. No, well, you took him I'm, round two last year and you were stunned that I didn't take him round one. Well, it, I mean, it's you. Which I understand. So yeah, I was too. Here. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, while while we're here, let's let's look at what else is out there at linebacker because since you already took Kevon Lee, and I probably should wait until later in the draft here, but Noah Kane's still out there. Love me some Noah Kane, um, and that fills up my my three linebacker spots. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Um, I, I don't know what I'm going to do because usually you throw a quarterback in there and and try and just play your way through it. Um, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I think Noah Kane's in line for a big year. Um, you wrote a little bit about the, 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 um, running back, uh, carousel that they're going to have to manage. But to me, Noah Kane's the guy going into it. Love it. We'll get some touches. Lee will get some touches. We'll see what happens, how they use Devin Ford this year. And, and if Kaziah Holmes factors in, but to me, Noah Kane, if he's healthy, He's, he's another one of those NFL talents. And I, what are we in round seven something or something right now? Pretty happy to, to get him this late. All right. These are our pick seven and eight for me. Um, and Sean, you talked about projecting with Curtis Jacobs. I'm going to do that exact same thing right now, uh, with Kalen King because I've got a flex spot that I kept open on offense and I wasn't sure where I was going to kind of. You know, who I was going to put there. I think wide receiver, I, I would be very curious to see what Caitlin King could do there. But I, I think we all are really expecting a lot in the next few years at cornerback based on the feedback from Terry Smith. Of course, James Franklin at the top going very public with his feelings about King. And, and what we anticipate going into September is in arguably the most competitive and experienced room on this Penn State roster. Caitlin King's going to play a lot of football and that just 
captures my imagination. Um, I think that speaks volumes about the mentality and physicality and just football ability that he brought to the field this spring and again when fall camp resumed. So I'll take Kalen King. I'll, I'll, I don't think it's a roll of the dice, but maybe it's early to take a true freshman who hasn't played a, you know, a down of Big Ten football yet. I'm going to do that. I'm going to put him at cornerback and I'm going to put him at wide receiver. Um, and then here's a pick that, that may surprise you and some of our listeners, but we've talked so much about quarterback situation. What's beyond QB1? I know there's a lot of concern about what's at QB1, but I have more concern, I think, about QB two, and then continuing from there, I'm going to take Sean Clifford just because I feel like there is a very significant gap between him and everyone else on this roster, including other guys at other positions. And I know maybe your, your brain's going to go in that direction as you build this team. But I think to give me the best chance to win this game, I'm, I'm going to go with Sean Clifford and, and, and put him in at quarterback and I'll figure out where he lands. Uh, probably going to have to play some linebacker. That's the right call. I mean, you look at, first off, look at what he brings to the table as an athlete. Um, mm-hmm. certainly faster than, than people give him credit for. I think he's got a time in the four fives up on the board in Lash. So, um, yeah, he's a guy that, uh, that's just part of the, the draft here is you're going to have to take a quarterback. You're going to have to try and project him somewhere else. Last year, it was kind of easy with Will Levis because he was a, a guy, a guy at another position playing quarterback, unfortunately. Uh, but now this, this year, especially with the thin, I, I definitely had Clifford higher on my board than, than probably many would think, especially after listening to me rail on him for the last year. So, um, it's, uh, it, it's definitely a good pick. And now I have no idea what I'm going to do at quarterback <laughs> because that's going to be, that's going to be tough. That, he was going to be my next pick. Well, something tells me that's probably going to be your last pick now. So maybe you can, you can figure that one out at number 11. Uh, but you're on to number eight and nine now. And, and there's not much else to do here, but, but figure out how to address some gaps. Well, I mean, if, if I'm going to have to wait on quarterback, I just might as well wear you down on the line of scrimmage. So <laughs> Mike Miranda's there, starting center, uh, guy that, you know, was a really good, I loved his tape in high school in terms of just mauling kids. He was just killing guys out there in Ohio. Um, but he, he gives you, uh, an experienced guy in the middle. And now I've got four of Penn State's four starting offensive linemen. So I'm feeling pretty good about that um, to, as a way to build up that team. But I'm excited to see what Miranda can do this year in, in, in terms of getting everybody on the same page. He's going to have two new guards starting beside him. He's going to have a couple of bookends that that they feel really good about that that have a veteran presence. Um, so he's a guy that can bring whoever it is beside him, whether it's Anthony Wigan or Salim Wormley or Des Holmes, Eric Wilson, whoever's playing beside him at those guard spots. And of course, Juice Scruggs, uh, we expect to be a starter. Um, he's just going to be such a, a very important piece, probably an overlooked piece, um, but a very important piece of this roster moving forward. Um, man, you are, uh, I know Phil Troutwine loves your draft process here. Um, and, and you've got another one to land on though. He should, he should love my draft process. I, I'm having some tough times here. I'm sure if you knew who the right, who the starting left guard was, you'd take that guy right now, but I can understand why you'd want to wait. Yeah, I get that. Um, or else I can slide, uh, I can slide, uh, or excuse me, I can slide somebody into guard, Caden Wallace into guard and go with, uh, somebody that's a little bit lighter. I know that that's usually where we go. I think you had Brandon Smith as an offensive lineman last year, but I got, I got holes in my secondary here. I know I'm going to have to fill that with a quarterback eventually. And I know if I take Joey Porter Jr., which is who I'm going to take, um, it's going to leave you with Marquise Wilson. I know you love yourself some Marquise Wilson, who actually does provide this team with, with, legitimate two-way threats. Um, so I'm going to take Joey Porter Jr. 
got a starter here, a corner, another NFL potential NFL talent, um, and a guy that you know is just uh, he's very smooth, very athletic, and he's got. You, we know we like to make fun of the way I say length, uh, but he's got that for days there at corner. So I'm, I'm going to take Joey Porter Jr. Not overthinking it, just a really, really good football player and a, and a pro prospect. All right. Uh, yeah. Porter Jr. is a guy that I, I don't know if it's because we didn't see him in Beaver Stadium out there or, or what. It just feels like he's been kind of, you know, haven't been talked about him much. There's been a lot going on at cornerback. There's been a lot going on elsewhere. And, and for what he did as a, as a first year starter, as a, as a surprise starter coming out last September, October. Uh, yeah, I cannot argue with that one. And, and cornerbacks, one that we're kind of, uh, we could pick further into, but I got to go with, with some big fellas here. And, and I don't know where he's going to line up for Penn State in week one. I still have my thoughts on that, but he's going to have to play some defensive end for me. Uh, and Akeem Beeman is, is, I think in, in good shape to do that right now physically. I um, mean, he's going to also have to play some offensive line for me, but I'm going in that direction. And then, man, I got to fill another spot here. Do I do it two years in a row? You know what? If I did it last year, I better be up to do it again because he, I wrote about he's looking bigger. He's looking more stout. This is not a lanky version of Brandon Smith. And there was at one point a lanky version of Brandon Smith. That ain't the case now. He's going to have to be a tackle for me, but I get to put him at linebacker now. And uh, I'm actually liking how this is coming together. I think when I got Brandon Smith, you know, I'm talking about candidates on offense, Theo Johnson, Sean Clifford. Kevon Lee, maybe that allows me to put Theo Johnson up as an edge rusher now. But if I got to pick guys on offense, I like that group, uh, Lee, Clifford, Johnson to play some linebacker because let's face it, I, I, you know, you, you got to actually put, keep in mind the mentality and the way guys, uh, you know, play the sport when you think about how they could play on the other side of the football. Yeah, you've got the exact opposite problem that I do. I've got, I'm stacked up in the front seven and trying to figure out my way out of that one. Um, but yeah, you've, you've got a couple of guys there that, that could give you some versatility. Really interested to see what Beeman, uh, brings to the table this year in terms of he's, he's obviously a light defensive tackle. We had speculated on him being a defensive end, but that does not seem to be the case. So, uh, very interesting spot there. Um, you, you just, it, it, this is where you run into it at the end of the draft. Um, you know, Brandon Smith to fall to you at, at this level or at that, uh, at that depth, um, is pretty ridiculous, but it's, uh, it's part of, part of the game, I guess. Sure. Uh, so I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take that one and I'm down to one pick left, but it's the last pick and, and you've got a couple to, to finish out your entire roster now. Yeah, that's tough. And, and I think I'm going to take the, the same guy I took. Uh, last year, actually, no, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I still, I've, I've decided to move Curtis Jacobs to my safety spot, and that's a little bit cheating. But you, you mentioned the flexibility that you have, but Jacobs mm -hmm. actually has been a safety at, at times. Um, Arnold Ebikete as my fifth offensive lineman, and I'm going to put him an outside linebacker because I like what he brings to the table as a guy that can rush the passer off the edge. Uh, again, I'm, I'm kind of projecting here. He's going to have to play full time defensive end. He's going to have to stop the run. He's going to have to lean on the added mass that he. He was able to put on uh, under Dwight Galt in the offseason. Um, but you're, you're at this level and you, you, I think you're athletic enough to move around. And, and maybe we see him in a stand up role. Maybe we see him as a guy that can potentially do some things um, different, just differently. And especially when you take a look at the, the depth and the, or the lack of depth, lack of experience at defensive end, if you can get something out of Bikete where, you know, you can keep him on the field and you can move some guys around and, and, and make some things happen, maybe in a three man front or something like that. I think he's going to have a big year. And I think he's, I, I would sort of be remiss if I went without drafting him just because of all the good things we've heard about him this offseason. 
and and I thought about him and I was going to think about him. The, the risk where I run into is and kind of that's the shared risk when I take a guy who's right now playing defensive end for Penn State is and is can he play offensive tackle? Because I've got Brandon Smith and that's already clearly a stretch. Um, you know, these guys on average, I feel like they're running 255, 248 in that range. A lot of the defensive ends we're going to see on the field for Penn State this year. And this is where the fantasy draft gets ridiculous. So yes, mm. it's a, and, and Penn State won't run into that problem about playing Ebikete on the offensive line. No, uh, thank goodness. But I feel good, good about the other four guys and we'll, we'll figure out what happens with the last one. Um, quarterback is going to be a question back, you know, backup quarterback. So tough. I've got, I've got Tyler Warren written down here. I've got Don DeLuca. I'm wondering, you're going to go Warren. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to go Warren here. I actually have to take a quarterback. Um, and that's a tough one because from what we've heard, just nobody instills confidence. So I'll go, I'll go younger here on the upside uh, and go Christian Veyer, um, a guy that I like a lot in, in terms of physical tools, just kind of got jerked around by the process, not having a senior year, just so long between when he actually got to play and when he actually got to campus. Um, athletically, surprisingly good numbers when he showed up, I'm not saying that he was a bad athlete, but you look at him as a six, four and a half, 200 some pound guy. And you think pocket passer all the way, he's got some athleticism. He's going to surprise some people with the numbers that he puts up similar to, to Clifford in the sense that you probably didn't think he was as fast as he was. Not that he's going to go out there and burn anybody. Um, but he's also got longer, uh, more time left in his career to figure out what he's going to be. So Sorry, Taquan Roberson, but I'm going to go with with Christian Veyer. Don't know that he's ever played a, a snap of defense in his life, but uh, I like what uh, I, I like the p- potential for him to improve as a quarterback in, in the long term. Plus, I'm running that, it down your throat anyway. So that yeah, Team Canada, you just won him over, taking my beat. But yeah, you, I mean, that's that think that's the right pick in, in this scenario. If we're talking about one game, eleven versus eleven. I do believe that he provides the most upside and, and take Juan Roberson. You'd imagine in September is going to have a chance to start to maybe alter the perception of how we view him as a Penn state quarterback in game action. And if he gets the chance, there should be opportunities, but, but Christian is the one that when you project over the course of even just this season in 12, 13 games, who do you want to see? Yeah, there, there's a lot that that's that's just seems more of a high ceiling there, and I think that's been covered by you, and that's been covered by the conversations we've had with, with some of the, the the coaches, including the Elite Eleven staff, about what Christian could be with that arm and and, and with that size. But uh, I, I I think that's an interesting pick. I, I am curious, did I miss it, or or where are you playing uh, this young Canadian quarterback on defense uh, who did not play football last year? Where's where's he going to be? Where is he going to be coming up for Kevon Lee? Uh, gonna, on defense, I'm gonna, <laughs> if I'm I can phrase a, it that way, I'm going to make him a safety. And when you put it that way, it seems terrifying, <laughs> especially as, as thin as Penn State is a quarterback. It seems pretty terrifying to see him try and tackle Kevon Lee in the open field. <laughs> that was fun. Parker Washington um, or, or anybody. Yeah, really. Right. Right. I, well, I think I have to prioritize. Uh, I got I got to prioritize the, the, the line here. There's no room for me to take some kind of luxury pick. I, I got to go with the offensive line. Hmm. Uh, you didn't leave me much here and I, and I knew you didn't. And 
I, I, I kind of want to take Lennon Tangwall just because, you know, if I'm latching on to another freshman uh, along with Kaylin King, it would probably be him. But I'm going to say Smith Vilbert. And I say this because I think he can bring it on both sides of the ball. I also think he's a guy that if you got to college campus and said, we're going to make you an offensive tackle and he had bought into it a couple of years ago, maybe he'd have a shot to do that. I don't know. What I do know is he was an athlete who was a basketball player who got here and a couple of years later, now in year three, we may see him really blossom as a football player at defensive end and, and what a step forward that would be for that positional unit for Penn State. On my team, he certainly will have a role there. It's going to be interesting to have some really kind of long, taller guys uh, on the edge here. I got to figure out maybe who's dropping back to linebacker. This may impact that for Theo Johnson. Um, but but I know that Smith Phillips is going to have to play offensive tackle. So I, if I was going line, I wanted some length there. I wanted somebody who could handle the perimeter a bit, have some quickness. So I'm going to go Smith Vilbert, and, and that is the final pick of this 22-man draft. Uh, Sean, nicely done, and, and we only had to pause it uh, to rack our brains once. Yeah, and my kid came in and tried to make a point and uh, kind of shoot him away. But so we we, we made priorities, it. yeah, uh, definitely priorities. They go to they go back back to school full time tomorrow. So yeah, <laughs> feeling feeling pretty good about that one. So hopefully fewer uh, fewer inter- interruptions than we're used to. But yeah, it's a uh, it's a good draft. As we said, down to the end, it gets kind of wonky, but uh, you expect that with having these guys try to go two ways. All right. We are going to press pause for a moment. We're going to sort through what we ended up through this draft and we'll come back to you after this break. Let you know what our lineups are. We'll wrap things up with a five-star mailbag. That's all coming your way on the Lions 24-7 podcast. It's time to see what we ended up in our 11-man drafts here. We're talking about Ironman football. Both sides of the ball. You got to find a spot one way or another, whether you're a quarterback or a lineman or a safety or a wide receiver, you're playing both sides. And Sean, we just spent some time going through the roster a bit. You've had a chance to see what you've got. I've got a chance to see what I have. Um, let's start an offense and, and let's let you go first since you used your first pick on the most valuable asset for this offensive attack, wide receiver Jahan Dotson. Yeah, got a number one there right out of the right out of the gate. I'm pretty happy about that. Receiver as a whole, I, I think you probably have the advantage because you took an actual or took actual receiver. Although Brisker is is probably a two way guy there. I, I paired Dotson with Curtis Jacobs and Joey Porter Jr., which seems like a good group. But there's an awful lot of projection going there. But I do have the number one. I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, I, I do wonder about the. Jacobs and Porter both hitting at wide receiver. I have a little more confidence in, in my defensive guys in King and Brisker. Um, but I also have more confidence in my quarterback getting them the ball and Sean Clifford. Although, as we said, he was the last, uh, you know, your last pick. And, and once I took Clifford, your, your last pick was going to be a quarterback, but. Yeah, one game. Who knows what you know? We don't know what Kavayu could do. So I mean, we don't even know what to call him at this point with his last name and the pronunciation. So yeah, I just know I just picked up on that. Um, but yeah, I think when you look at this roster and what you can learn from an exercise like this is is receiver is certainly a question mark. Um, Keandre Lambert Smith is a guy we talked about in the break. Um, but other than that, you just don't see a ton. Maybe Marquise Wilson can be lumped in that group. Um, but after Dotson and Washington, it gets a little sketchy. And and that's really something you could take home from this exercise is is that receiver has to stay healthy and it has to be a group that uh, that produces at the top. We're both going to roll out six receivers combined. Uh, only two of them are playing offense full-time for, for the Nittany Lions this year. That, that certainly says something here. Uh, quarterback, as we said, I've got Clifford. Uh, I'll talk about what he's going to do for me on defense in a bit. I have more faith in him as a defensive player than I do Christian at this point in their careers and what we've seen of them. But moving to the, the other component of the offensive backfield, I've got Kevon Lee. Um, already talked about 
part of the value here was what he can do at linebacker. We'll get the defense in a moment, but uh, again, I'm not, he's not going to be sidelined by anyone from this year. If he's healthy. Um, I think Noah Kane is going to be the first guy that, that gets a chance to go and be the RB one. I'm not sure though, in this offense with this running back group, we're going to see a true bell cow kind of running back. And to be surprised if we did, we know there's three running backs involved. Can you equally share among three running backs? I, I don't know about that. Can you give two guys, 80% of the work and another guy, 20%, maybe that makes more sense. And right now I'd lean toward Kevon Lee being that next guy with Noah Kane. And if Noah Kane is unable to stay healthy for whatever reason, again, or if he's just, you know, or if, if Kevon Lee just outperforms him, I think one way or another, there's a good chance that Kevon Lee could be a back-to-back rushing leader for the Nittany Lions. I think the real story here is you're kind of cooling on Noah Kane. I know I'm not cooling on no, 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 no. I'm cooling on Noah Kane at linebacker because uh, I really like Kevon Lee at linebacker. I would not want to be hit by either of them, so I'm I'm right there, right there with you at projecting those guys. Um, certainly, physical backs on the offensive side of the ball can can run around, and and Kane's been a uh, running back all his life in terms of what he is done. But Kevon Lee c- could play on the other side of the ball, so I think versatility wise. You get a little bit more out of Kevon Lee uh, playing defense, but in terms of stealing on the offensive side of the ball, still love what Noah Kane brings to the table. So I feel pretty comfortable with my pick. Same way with at tight end with Brenton Strange. I think he he gives you some versatility. Um, and and I don't know that the gap and it's sort of uh, taking both of these positions and lumping them together. I don't know that the gap between. Uh, Noah Kane and Kevon Lee is all that different than the gap between Brenton Strange. Actually, it's probably uh, much bigger than the gap between Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson at tight end. But I, I think Strange, such a good football player. It gives you a little bit of something on defense as well. But here's the thing. With tight end, that room's so good, you, you couldn't go wrong with a guy in there. I actually thought about really being a, a jerk here and just grabbing both Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson. But then I was like, Sean really likes Tyler Warren and Tyler Warren could probably play some defense for you. So yeah, th- there was no point in doing that. I- I'm happy with like, if you told me that I had um, Noah Kane and Brenton strange versus Kevon Lee and Theo Johnson, I'd be happy with either of those setups. I think that speaks uh, you know, about the strength of both of those position rooms. Let me ask you this. Did you consider taking a second running back versus ending up with a three wide receiver set or did the strength of the defensive backfield kind of outweigh that? Cause that's where I was. I just saw too many good defensive backs where I couldn't really sacrifice, you know, uh, leaving out a wide receiver spot. Well, we we don't know what that third running back would bring to the table. John Lovett, you know, we've heard some good things out of him in camp, um, but we haven't seen him in terms of being on the game field for Penn State. So I, I think there's just a bunch of question marks there, even though we love that running back room uh, and we have questions about receiver, you kind of got to give and take here a little bit, especially in the, in the defensive backfield. So, and I think we kind of set a, uh, some loose parameters that you go one running back, three receivers, cause that's just kind of the way it comes together. Um, but yeah, y- you think about it and, and you feel really good about, about what Penn State has at running back. But as we saw last year, there's certainly questions there. Devin Ford's still a question. John Lovett, uh, even though he's a proven college player, still question marks, still question marks about Kasiah Holmes. So you feel that you've seen more from Noah Kane and from Kevon Lee at, at the top end that, that you feel pretty good about taking both those guys and, and feeling pretty happy about it. We've gone through the skill positions on offense. Let's talk uh, offensive line here. And and unlike you, I, um, I don't have really any offensive linemen here. It is a defensive group on the offensive side of the football. I've got PJ Mustafer, Derek Tangelo, and Akeem Beeman on the interior. And then I'm bookended by Smith Vilbert, who, you know, is, is, 
270 pounds in that range at this point. And then Brennan Smith, who is, is not in that range. But as I said, I'm counting on that wingspan with Smith on the perimeter. Hey, man, Penn State's going to Wisconsin the first month or the first week of the season. So I'm building for that. So I've got four starting offensive linemen, guys that can flip around and have a pretty stout defensive line with some athleticism there with Scruggs um, and Walker there, but potentially being my edge guys. Um, so, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about that. And AK, I think, is uh, is going to have a big year on the defensive side of the ball. So I wanted to get him in there at some point. And there were some guys that were sort of casualties of, of numbers here. And, and the fact that he slipped that far makes me f- feel pretty good about him being my fifth offensive lineman. Is it fair to say that, uh, well, I guess you have a question at quarterback with, with a guy who's probably going to be QB three, three, we think going into the year. But when you look at offensive tackle, I've got Brandon Smith. Uh, you've got AK. To me, that, that's for both of us a spot that you circle and say, this, this could be a problem. Like. Okay. Yeah. I'll give you that one. Yeah. And, it, and I'm not really, uh, this, this is not going to be one that lingers with me for a year. So we'll, we'll be, no. we'll be okay with, with where they stand. Uh, and we just kind of, kind of talked about the defensive side of the ball too. I am pretty stout on the defensive line. Linebacker, as much as I, you know, belly ached about it's so hard to find linebackers i had to move somebody out of linebacker because i had too many of them uh with noah kane with ak brenton strange out there i've got some some athleticism out there put put noah kane at the mic just think about that for a second that's uh that's pretty funny and then you had to bump curtis jacobs to safety because of it uh not not ideal not an ideal situation but that's uh that's something to think about in the long term I, I know you've got this offensive front, um, but I, I, that, that, that actually plays offense for the Nittany Lions, but I like what I'm going to bring at them from the front seven perspective. I got Derek Tangelo, PJ Mustafer, Hakeem Beeman, those guys all on my defensive front. I'm putting Theo Johnson off the edge. We're talking about six foot six. 260 pounds almost right now, who's moving like a freight train at four five, low four fives. I like what I can do there uh, from a flexibility standpoint as a defensive end. At linebacker, Kevon Lee, as we said, there was a discussion about him playing that position in the SEC during his recruitment. Brandon Smith, maybe the biggest breakout candidate on this Nittany Lions roster, a guy that there's a lot of high hopes for and now that he's over at the Will linebacker position. Uh, and then I'm also over at, at linebacker, uh, I've got to put Smith Vilbert. Uh, now, maybe Smith Vilbert and Theo Johnson are interchangeable parts um, because one of those guys is going to play up front. One of those guys is going to be an oversized jumbo kind of linebacker. But that's where I'm at. Smith Vilbert, Theo Johnson, kind of a, a flex play as an edge perimeter guy and maybe going to have to play some linebacker as well. Um, but I have a guy alongside Kevon Lee, Brandon Smith. And, and so I, I feel pretty good about being able to throw that your way. More so than I feel you're, you can breach my group with, with a lot of offensive linemen playing on the defensive side. I get it. There's a lot of athleticism, but I do have my question marks there and we'll never find out. Yeah, we will never find out. <laughs> Especially we're never going to find out how many times you could break my defense safety with me playing Curtis Jacobs and Christian Bayer back uh, at deep safety. Uh, that's, a, that's a question mark. As I mentioned, they are more athletic than you think, but at the same time, he's not bringing the, uh, the athleticism of a Keaton Ellis back there or Brisker or Jay or Brown or whomever. Uh, so that, that's certainly something to look at. Corner, feel good, feel really good about Jahan Dotson, Joey Porter Jr. So, uh, that, that leaves it up, but that, that, you know, I feel pretty good. I'm, I think I'm more geared to the offensive side of the ball, um, especially with the running game. Uh, but pretty happy with my team overall. I've only second guessed myself a couple times since we, since we drafted. 
I can't wait to look at this link next August and it'll probably be the same yikes text from you about both of our drafts, but rounding out my defensive group here in the backfield, got two offensive guys playing safety, Sean Clifford, Parker Washington. Um, I'll take my chances. If I got to play offensive guys there, I'll take those two. Brisker, uh, yes, he was my number one pick, but he's going to play cornerback because of how the roster shaped up. Have a lot of faith in his ability to do that. Anthony Poindexter feels like he can get a guy who could play at a high level at either spot. Uh, it may sound silly to move a safety who's a preseason All-American over to a different spot, but that's what my roster needs right now. I feel better about him there than Clifford or Parker Washington. And then the other cornerback spot is Kaitlin King. The freshman has a lot of high hopes entering the fall, so uh, he, he's going to be locking it down, hopefully, uh, for me on that side of the field. And, and that's what we've got, Sean. we got to put this in text, and we'll put it uh, up on our link with this podcast so people can actually read through it. Um, but that's that's all she wrote. I think I think Parker Washington would play corner. I think he's I mean, he's quick enough. He's he's obviously a little bit more stout than you look for in a corner, but uh, I think he I think he could do it. Would you well? Would you rather have Brisker playing corner? Or and Washington playing safety, or Washington playing corner and Brisker playing safety. I'd probably put Washington in corner and Brisker at safety, but I don't want you to succeed. So you do whatever mm. you want. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be a, a a trick. Yeah. Uh, well, well, we'll write these down. We'll get them up with the podcast article, so you have a, a place to, to review this all in person. Uh, but that was fun, man. That, that was uh, who do we leave off the list? So that's always the next part of the conversation. And I, this comes with a caveat that Adiza Isaac out for the year. That was announced a couple of weeks ago at the start of preseason camp, and undoubtedly would have been a guy that was picked along the way by one of us. Yeah, and that's the, the there's questions there, and, and a lot of that goes to the defensive backfield. Of course, Marquise Wilson, a guy that we expect to be. I, I thought you would take him at some point. Guy that we expect could make a dent on both sides of the ball this year. Keaton Ellis, um, you know, tremendous two way guy in high school, uh, moved over to safety. Could see him competing for for a starting spot there. Keandre Lambert Smith went in this draft last year. We talked about the the uh, the lack of receivers going in this draft. He certainly was in the conversation there. Tyler Warren, another guy. You, you, you just look at the, the defensive line and wonder, you know, who you could probably project there at the, you know, in the future, maybe not right now. Um, where does Tarburton fit in? Where does, uh, uh, you, where does Zariah Fisher, who made that change, who's obviously, obviously a versatile player fit in? That's your Luketa. Uh, yeah. Luketa is, Luketa is a guy that I thought about putting in the offensive line, to be honest with you. We've, mm. we've talked to, talked so many times about his growth. Um, but I, I ran out of spots for linebackers, defensive linemen, things like that. Um, but to not have Luquette on here, I think is not an oversight, but it's, it, it's certainly one of those ones that, that you think, okay, I could have gotten some versatility out of him and they're, they're hoping to get some versatility out of him. Um, Along those same lines, Khalil Dinkins, who I mentioned with the tight ends, really like what he brings to the table as an athlete. Not sure that his best position isn't on the defensive side of the ball still, but seems like he's he's settled in nicely at uh, at tight end so far in his career. So obviously a lot of second guessing to do, especially with the format and the way that we do things. But um, there are certainly guys that could that could make a make an argument for for playing or being in this draft either next year or or even this year should have been drafted. I went uh, pretty heavy on the receiver DB combo early in my draft, but like the next names on my board, just taking a look at what I was left with here were uh, Marquise Wilson, Keaton Ellis and, and Keandre Lambert Smith. And, um, I think those guys were were next up, but uh, what got tricky for me was, well, I think there's depth on the offensive line. What am I, you know, do I feel comfortable about saying, uh, you know, a Des Holmes is going to be playing on the defensive side of the football. And so I, I think I was gravitating more towards the defensive depth than the offensive depth, um, whether that's right or wrong and, and thinking one side would lend itself to the other better. I have no idea. Again, we'll never find out.
Yep. Well, hopefully we're right this year. So I, I mean, we were, <laughs> we were right at spots last year, but last year was what well, that that was important to note that it was I think in August. Um, so we were just scrambling for whatever we could get last year, but we're a little bit more comfortable with it this year. So we'll hopefully uh, hopefully be right. We'll have to get a poll up uh, with this as well, and you can tell us who is right. I know, Sean, you had the advantage last year, something like 53 to 47% in that final vote. Uh, we could put that up uh, for a vote again. Um, thanks for listening to the the If you made it through, um, and hopefully we didn't confuse you too much along the way. It was a bit confusing to do once again. Uh, but now we get to the end of the show, and before we get to the five-star mailbag, Sean, we wanted to note a couple things. High school football is back, and Katron Allen in a preseason showcase down in, in South Florida, he went out and reminded people that yeah Nick Singleton's an outstanding prospect from Pennsylvania but don't sleep on Katron Allen out of Virginia down at IMG Academy he goes over 200 yards three touchdowns for IMG in a preseason matchup against American Heritage High School which is the defending uh groups uh, state champions in their class yeah really good players on the American Heritage side mm-hmm. as well uh some top 100 guys but Katron Allen I think shown brightest and he was he was really, really good for them right off the bat, scored a couple of touchdowns, went over 200 yards and and showed off some of that speed that we talked about. I mean, this is a kid that's 220 pounds and he was out there running away from guys, as we mentioned before, was in the four sixes uh, this offseason. So not not slow by any means. Um, and I think that's probably you look at him and you think he's just a plotter or whatever, but he was able to break some big runs, do some nice things and and, you know, just uh, keep moving forward. And that's what you're going to get out of uh, a guy like Katron Allen. Um, you don't really want to call him a compliment to Nick Singleton because Singleton does some of these things well as well. Um, but you really like what you saw out of Katron Allen in week one. Uh, with our reporters and analysts out and about covering high school football across America, you can expect a lot more uh, of coverage of, of how these guys are doing and the commits and the targets and uh, new highlights for a lot of these guys haven't had fresh highlights in way too long due to the circumstances. Uh, Sean, one other thing we wanted to note here, we had Mark Brennan on the show a couple of weeks ago in your absence. He talked a little bit about what the basketball program was trying to build from a momentum standpoint under Micah Shrewsbury on the recruiting trail. Very strong evidence of that this week. Jamil Brown, a rated four-star guy, a top 100 player nationally out of the Haverford School in Pennsylvania, six foot four guard, committed to Penn State. And according to Mark Brennan, sent a text to both of us, this is the third highest rated prospect for Penn State basketball this century. Yes, a guy that they targeted immediately after Micah Shrewsbury was hired uh, from Purdue, was previously committed to Purdue. Um, so that tells you about some of the connection there. But Penn State really a nice job in closing this one out. This is a guy that's been a priority for a long time. Uh, they've been uh, really, really in at his uh, AAU program, where it's got some guys like Otega Owe, Derek Lively, guys that he plays alongside. And just a, a big pickup. Uh, you got into... Uh, one of those talent rich areas and Philly's always been a, uh, a priority for the last two staffs, but Adam Fisher getting in there, getting the job done, just huge in this one to, to, to make that happen. And hopefully that's a step in the right direction for these, uh, the team final guys. Coverage of that, including commentary from Mark and also quotes from the new commit up on lines247.com right now. Check that out. One, a huge pickup for Penn State basketball. Uh, back to football as we get to our five-star mailbag, which you can contribute to on Apple Podcasts. Leave your five-star rating and review along with your question on anything Nittany Lions related. And this one leads us to one that's Right in your wheelhouse, Sean, because you were working on something uh, in the walk-on department this week. And um, this question first off leads off with what are the rules for walk-on athletes in terms of 
what we're now seeing in college football. You may have noticed the BYU walk-ons are now technically employees of a company out there. Essentially, they're being sponsored. They're going to be on quote-unquote scholarship, except it's not through the university. What is that potentially? Is there a ripple effect that, that may impact Penn State? This question asks. And additionally, with so much of the 22 class already filled up with scholarship guys, does the walk-on focus become a bit greater for the Nittany Lions as they assess, particularly local town, I would imagine? Yeah, the se- the second part first uh, with the, yeah, they're going to focus a lot on walk-ons here. Big group of walk-ons that arrive on campus for classes this week. And some of those guys made the roster for camp. Some of them will be added once camp is over and classes start and things like that. So moving in that direction, I know we've talked quite a bit about Evan Clark, the quarterback, uh, Anthony Ivy's quarterback from Lancaster, but there's a bunch of guys in there. Uh, hopefully have something up on the site soon, if not already. Um, but the interesting part, the name image like the stuff, especially with BYU, they were able to quote unquote, hire all the walk-ons to get them to uh, their tuition covered, not paying for a scholarship, which is important in this, not actually paying for a scholarship, but paying these guys the equivalent of scholarship money. So those guys can do with it what they may. Most of them, I expect will put it right back into, uh, into their tuition payments at BYU. What's interesting here is Pennsylvania passed a name, image and likeness law in early or legislation early in July. That would prohibit something like this. This is more of a pay for play type thing. Utah does not have a law in the books, which is big um, when you're talking about that sort of thing. So that is kind of that murky area. And the NCA has sort of been passive with this. I know it's hard to believe in, in figuring out these gray areas where you can basically tell a walk on that his stuff is going to be covered can't do that in Pennsylvania. You can't do that in most states, but Utah doesn't have a law in the books. So um, I don't see something like this happening, but you, you've also got the opportunity to to make money as a, as a typical name image and like to steal in Pennsylvania. I don't think this is going to be something where we start seeing guys who are, you know, FCS prospects or, or lower level F- FBS prospects going to BYU because of this. Um, but it's certainly good for them for finding that loophole. The NCA is going to be behind on it. And it's going to be one of those things that you're going to wonder and bellyache where this works for some people and why it doesn't work for, for people in spots like Pennsylvania. So the walk on conversation is, of course, a, a part of the bigger conversation. And, and that is. Very unpredictable right now what this all could look like next year. Uh, but, but Sean, I think the, the walk on class, you'll have something up on that. Another strong group. And we've heard from Franklin time and time again. If you want to put the best on your practice field, you, you better pay attention to who you're bringing in from a walk on standpoint. And, and that is a category that they've seemingly paid a lot of attention to some kids turning down division one opportunities to do that. And you've heard a lot about Evan Clark on this podcast too. Um, along the last couple of months. Anything else to get to here, Sean? Yeah, there, there's a bunch of guys that you can look to. I, you know, it's so hard to project wall. I know everybody loves the walk on stories and guys that make it and guys that really eventually earn scholarships and everything. But the, the fact of the matter is most don't. I know a couple of guys that were already coming in have already decided that Penn State football is not for them. That, you know, that's a heck of a commitment to make. And it's, uh, you know, when you're giving up scholarships elsewhere and, and things like that to, to, to walk on. I, I get the dream of running out with the helmet and everything like that, but it's such a ridiculous sacrifice to make. And, and, you know, you kind of got to tip, you got to be a special kid, a different type of kid to, to not only make it, but just to do it in the first place. And that's really why you see 
after the first year, after the second year, a lot of these guys um, just realize that it's that it's too much for them. But you got some good ones. Uh, they're excited about the the specialist class that they have in. I know they brought in Sanders Sahadak. They got Alex Paqueta coming next year. Um, so it's going to be tough for those guys to break through. But Gabe Nuosu, big Gabe, 6'6", 302, um, biggest kicker you'll ever see, um, came in, was added to the roster for camp. Same with Mitchell Groh. Um, he was added to the roster for camp. Don't forget about Dom DeLuca, who was added for the spring. He's kind of a 2020, I think, is he class of 2020? Took a semester off and joined the program. Um, he's a linebacker now, so be interesting to see if he makes the the cut in terms of uh, guys that can make special teams. Tyler Dzanski, long snapper, is a guy that they're excited about in terms of uh, uh, walk-ons. But uh, you go down the list, Evan Clark we've talked about, uh, Ryan Wills from St. Joe's Prep, the offensive lineman. When you can get an offensive lineman that actually has the size to, to compete in there um, and not a ton of offensive linemen break through, but you, you never know if you're going to get those those guys or not. Um, Spencer Perry on the defensive line, likewise, uh, a guy that had a productive career um, at Nishanok. Uh, Bobby Walchuk has been all over the place in terms of um, – trying to get on people's radars and things like that. He's going to, you know, I think he was a, a hurdler going to bring him as a linebacker. Ethan Susan, a really, really good athlete, a small stool kid out of Wilmington uh, can come in and, and make some things happen as a, either as a running back or as a cornerback. We'll see that. Uh, and Caleb Brown came in and ran a four, four for them. If you get a freaking walk on as a four, four, uh, four, four kid as a walk on, you're going to do that every time. So he's going to play safety for them as well uh, out of Wilson, uh, Wilson Westlawn. Um, so some, some quality athletes coming in there, some guys, that they've got a chance to look at. A lot of these guys actually came up and camped for them in June to get some registered numbers on them because they didn't have that uh, that 2020 cycle where they could get out and camp and, and things like that. So it'd be very interesting to see where these guys fit into the uh, the eventual roster space. A lot of it will be on special teams. A lot of more of it will be on the practice squad, but it's always fun to track walk-ons and see where these guys can, can try to make the dream happen. I dare our listeners to find... Better walk-on coverage than what you just laid out there in those few minutes. Excellent spotlight on this new group, Sean. And uh, I, I know you've, you've, you've been working on that, but it, I kind of think it speaks to the the fact that these are really good football players to be able to get to the point where it, whether you're on a scholarship or not, to be able to get on that practice field and have access to it and be able to stay on that practice field all season says a lot about you as an athlete and, and a lot about you as a young person and what you're willing to, your point, sacrifice. And Penn State emphasizes that. I mean, it's got one of the strongest walk-on programs in the country because of what they've been able to do in the past. Um, you got a guy like Drew Hartlob that comes out and, and does some really nice things and eventually earns a scholarship. Not everybody ends up in that situation. I mean, they, they had some really good walk-ons last year. Joe Bruno, I think, popped up at Delaware. Uh, could, could be a scholarship-level athlete in terms of testing times and things like that. It's just really hard to do as, as a running back. But they put an emphasis on that. They, they did that with guys at camp this year uh, – as I said, not having camp in 2020 sort of takes away some of that uh, that evaluation time for these type of prospects. Um, but yeah, it takes a special kid to break through, and they're hoping that some of these guys can just be more than a a, a tackling dummy out there and really, really good football players at, at their respective high school levels. And we'll see if that can turn into something special. Blake's an Blake Zalar is another name to know a kid who came in and really impressed in the weight room. And we saw him getting some second team reps um, at center uh, along the way this offseason. So maybe he's a, a, another guy to look down to uh, at, at, down the road at maybe warranting that scholarship, which is some of the better moments that we get each offseason. Yeah, Sean, I think it's, it's tough to it's tough to say, like, 
does one out of 25 of these guys hit does one out of 50 mm. of these guys hit but that i mean that's the type of thing that you're up against you you bring in so many more walk-ons and, and walk-ons are a very important part of the program especially at penn state places like penn state nebraska have, have been built around walk-ons but it's so tough to forecast which ones can hit which ones will hit we've we've had some guys you remember back or you probably don't remember but back in the o'brien years when they were just putting such a heavy emphasis on getting these pennsylvania guys in as walk-ons because you know tuition plays into it and 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 finances and things like that but you thought that maybe a bunch of those guys could break out and never really broke through it's it's so hard to be a division one football player even harder to be come from that situation well, in this episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast, we gave you the number one pick out of the entire roster, and then we gave you that analysis on the very bottom portion of this roster for 2021 and the Nittany Lions. You got it all this episode. Check out lions247.com. As the week continues, there's going to be some practice availability. There's going to be more um, access to players and coaches for Penn State. So more insight coming your way. And then as we said at the top of the show, next week, it's game week. Uh, Wisconsin just around the corner and these Nittany Lions will head to Madison. We'll have it covered for you. We'll switch our format up a little bit next week as we get ready for game number one. For now, thanks to everybody, as always, for listening. On behalf of Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast.